Shall we pray? Dear Lord, we claim the presence of thy Holy Spirit, according to Luke 11:13, And you've promised that we'll all be nails upon the wall through your love. May we be fastened securely in our place. Then from those things so common, may men and women see the beautiful reflection of thy face. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. We'd like to share with you at this hour the ABCs of Bible prayer as they relate to the worship of our Lord. I think uh, during our ministry of the last uh, some like, uh, something like 31 years or more, there are probably thousands, if not tens of thousands, of individuals who have learned a, a beautiful relationship with Jesus through the ABCs of prayer. The ABCs of prayer are not my ABCs. Every once in a while, people come to me and they'll say, I've been studying your ABCs of prayer. And I say, no, they're not mine. Jesus gave the ABCs of prayer. And he said, ask, and that's the A, Matthew 7, 7. Ask, and it shall be what, everybody? It shall be given you. Jesus said that. The B of prayer, Jesus gave in Mark eleven twenty four. He said, believe that you receive and you will have. That's not my B of prayer, that's his. The C of prayer is to claim it or receive it, to reach right up and take it. Matthew 21, 22 reports Jesus as saying, whatever things we ask, that's the A, in prayer believing, that's the B, we shall receive. Now he makes clear that this asking, believing, and receiving is limited to his word. In John 15, 7, he said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you may ask what you will and it'll be done. In other words, if, if we dwell in his unselfish spirit and if we limit our prayers, the ABC prayers, to the definite things he's promised, whatever he's promised as we fulfill the conditions by his grace are ours. Now, there's very much more to it. We have a book called The ABCs of Bible Prayer. And during this particular series, we're not going in too deeply into the ABCs of prayer. But friends, we have found that this does something to our worship of Jesus Christ. He said, in, as recorded in John 16, 24, ask and you'll receive and your joy will be what? It'll be full. The joy in Jesus that the empty heart does not know it realizes when it finds a fabulous love of Christ in his givingness. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And Romans 8, 32, He that spared not his own Son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also do what? Freely give us all things. God is eager to come to our rescue. This is the picture that we ought to give to the world, friends. We ought to let them know we have a good God. We have a God who in Jesus Christ is eager to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Ephesians 3.20. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.19. Our experience centers around a woman whose name we shall call me because that was not her name. We use substitute names. May was reared in a Christian home. As she grew to adulthood, she was uh, baptized, united with the church, made a profession of Christianity, was doing her thing toward being a Christian, but there was an emptiness in her heart. You know, my friends, when you and I try to do our thing, it leaves the heart empty. It's only when we realize that God wants to do everything if we'll reach up and do our part, which is to ask and to believe with all our hearts and to reach right up in simple childlike faith and take his fabulous gifts. He, she didn't know how to do it. She didn't know how to pray. She didn't realize how eager God was to come to her rescue. She knew a lot of doctrine. My, she knew you shouldn't do this, and you shouldn't do this, and you shouldn't do this, and you should not do that of all things. And you must behave yourself if you want God to love you, right? All of which are lies. In the name of Christ. 
all of which are lies. No, God loves us just as we are. Amen? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the love of Christ. Friends, we never should tell our loved ones or friends, behave so God can love you. My friends, the only way a man can behave is as the love of God obsesses him and grows him into Jesus Christ. But May knew nothing about this. Having not found joy in the Lord, she began to raise questions like a lot of young people do and older ones. What's wrong with uh, watching some of these TV serials? <laughs> Isn't that a very innocent question? And what's wrong with reading a little of these <laughs> Wild West stories? And what's wrong with certain uh, soap operas? <laughs> They're so soapy and nice, <laughs> you know. <laughs> what's wrong with it? I'm enjoying it. And you know, as she drank in of the soap operas, <laughs> and as she drank in of all these books, and she was a, she was a, was she a reader? She just devoured these books, full of sex, full of unwed mothers, murderer, and murderers. And she found the more she did it, the less she enjoyed the Bible. You know why? Because 1 John 2.15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Man cannot love the devil and love Jesus at the same time. Men cannot with one hand take the pleasures, the sex, the sensuality, and the, and the longing for all of the worldliness and still enjoy Jesus. And so she went farther and farther with the Lord. She was married, began to rear a family. She was a member of the church. She actually uh, was one of the division leaders of the Sabbath school. But all the while, there was an emptiness in her heart. They would hold revivals. And when the revival services took place, May would make a new start. And it would last for quite a while, at least 12 or 15 hours. You know, sometimes even 36 or 72 hours. She really was sincere. She wanted to do right, but she didn't know that righteousness is a gift from God. She didn't know that the new heart is, a, is God's free gift. She didn't know that repentance itself is a free gift from God, Acts 5.31. She didn't realize that all of these gifts of righteousness are God's gifts. We don't work it up within our heart. He gives them to us through the mystery of his divine love and power. Finally, May was saying, as she began to realize that she was spending from four, to four and five hours a day on television and radio and these books, she began to be very frightened. She said, think of it. Here, I'm spending all these hours on this? She said, I became so obsessed. I became such a victim of these things that if a friend would come in in the middle of one of these soap serials, uh, she said, I, uh, I, I almost abused them. They weren't to interrupt what I was watching. And she said, every time I vowed that I would do better, every time I vowed that I'd cut down the time that I was wasting, I spent more time. And she said, in the meantime, my, my older daughter now, which was about maybe 15 or 16, went to see her grandmother for the vacation in the summer. She said, my mother-in-law. And she said, you know what my mother-in-law would do? She had done it before, and this particular summer she just went overboard. She told my little daughter every mean thing that she could think of that I'd ever done in my life. The mistakes that I made as a young woman, and she said, I'd made plenty of them. And she said, and my mother-in-law wasn't satisfied to merely tell the mistakes I'd made, but she just had to put the little topping on. And she added a lot of things that weren't true at all. She said, when my daughter came home, came back home from the summer vacation with her grandmother, my daughter told me what her grandmother had, had shared with her. And she said, and my daughter and I just sobbed it out together. She said, I found myself so filled with hatred for my mother-in-law 
And she said, then I began to realize that I was either going to see a psychiatrist or I was going to have to commit myself. She said, so I made a decision that I, would, uh, I wouldn't be a hypocrite. So I announced uh, to the church that uh, for certain reasons, I couldn't serve any longer in the children's division of the Sabbath school. And she said, I gave a very uh, a reasonable excuse. It was that if I served in the division of the, of the children's division of the Sabbath school, my husband probably wouldn't come because he'd want to sit with me. So she said, they accepted my, uh, my excuse. <laughs> but she said, then I attended church less than ever. She said, but I had plenty of time for all other social engagements out in the world. And the pastor and his wife, amen that, as they shared it with me. And she said, at this time, I had become so emotional that I found myself crying hours every day. What in the world am I going to do? What in the world is the solution? Here I've tried to be a Christian, and every time I try to reform, I go farther down the drain. What am I going to do? And she said, just then, my doorbell rang, and the pastor of my church came to see me. And he used as an excuse that they're going to hold a series of meetings, evangelistic meetings, and would my little boy be willing to help them with, the, with the, uh, some of the equipment? And she said, I knew it was just an excuse. And she said, as he sat there, the pastor was so kind, and so understanding, she said, within an hour, I had told him the whole problem of my life. And she said, he didn't scold me. He didn't belittle me. She said, he said, uh, May, I have out in my car a book that's blessed hundreds of people. And it's called the ABCs of Bible Prayer. And he said, I wonder if, if you would like to analyze it. It wasn't that nice. And tell me whether you feel that it would help you in any way. If I would bring it in, would you, uh, would you read it? Oh, she said, Pastor, I surely will. I'd be glad to read it. He said, it's blessed so many. I had known the pastor for years. I had known of how his own family had been blessed by learning how to reach up and drink in of the love of Jesus Christ. His beautiful gifts. For any gift that he's promised, we may ask. Isn't that wonderful? Then we're to believe that we receive and return thanks to God that through Jesus Christ we have received. His blood has already bought these gifts. So the pastor went out, brought the little book in, handed it to her, and she said, no scolding, no condemnation, no belittling whatsoever. And he had a little word of prayer and he left. She said, as he left, since I had promised that I was going to read the book, I picked it up. I started to read, and she said, I couldn't make any sense out of it whatsoever. I was thinking, I, I, it's just words. I couldn't even think what I was reading. I was thinking about that diabolical mother-in-law who had lied about her own daughter-in-law to, to my very daughter. Why did she do it? And then I would cry pick up the book, I, I couldn't read it. She said, but the next day or so, I said, wait a minute, I did, I did promise the pastor I was going to read it, so I better do it. So she said, I sat down in a little cozy corner and I began to read. She said, Pastor Coon, before I'd read two chapters, something had happened to me. She said, I said, listen, if people can get such fabulous answers from the Lord Jesus Christ as these people have received, I can get it too. And I'm going to use the ABCs of Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask him to do what he's promised for me. I'm going to tell him I believe it, and I'm going to bend every, every muscle of my spiritual life to believing him. She said, I'd never done it before in my life. I'd prayed many times. I'd made many prayers of asking but I'd never believed before. I said, Lord, I'm going to believe. So she said, it said, for any gift that he's promised, ask, Matthew 7, 7. So she said, I opened my Bible to Isaiah 1, 18. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, 
he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. She said, I bowed down. I did as the book suggested. I opened my Bible. I even put my hand right on that promise. She knew there was nothing miraculous or mysterious or magic about putting her hand on a promise. It's man's simple gesture of believing and relaxing. I put my hand on that promise and I said, Lord, I ask you to forgive all of my past, and it's been bad. I ask you that my crimson past will be made as white as snow. You've told me to ask, so Lord, I'm asking. She said, then I said, Lord, I believe that my crimson past is made as white as snow. Lord, I believe with all my heart, I believe, and I bet every energy to believing, to telling him that I believe. You know that's what Romans 10, 10 says? With the, mouth uh, with the mouth we speak words unto salvation. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Tell God I will believe. Tell God I do believe. She said, and then I said, and Lord, I've just learned that I'm to say the gift is in the promise. You have created the gift. So, Lord, thank you. I have received total forgiveness. I have received total cleansing for all the past. I arose my knees forgiven. She said, I thank the Lord. The burden was gone. She said, then, for the first time in my life, I had an experience in Christ. Then I said, Lord, now that I know the format, the idea, I'm going to ask you now, Lord, to do something about this terrible obsession to watch these TV soap serials and, a, and the reading of this miserable stuff. She said, I knelt down and I took, I think it was then Matthew 7, 7. It could have been another promise. But I'm quite sure she said Matthew 7, 7. Lord, you've said ask and it shall be given you. I ask you, Lord, listen to this, friends. I ask you, Lord, to take this hankering for all of these soap serials and all this reading to take it all out of my life. And you know the Lord's promised to do it? Second Peter 1, 4 says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. She was claiming God's promises, and God was giving her a new nature. She said, Lord, I ask you to do it. I believe you're doing it. I've been every energy of my spiritual being to believing. Lord, I believe. And now, Lord, thank you, I have received. She said, Pastor Kuhn, a few hours later, it dawned over me that I have had absolutely no desire whatsoever to watch any of these soap operas anymore. I had no desire whatsoever to read this amazing, sensuous literature. And she said, after a few more hours passed, I said, thank you, Lord. You did it, Lord. You did it. But wait a minute, Lord. I've got now six hours of vacuum. I've been spending six hours on this trash. What am I going to do with these six hours? She said, I fell down again. I put my hand on a promise again, asking it shall be given you. I said, dear Lord, after all that you've done, the idea, I'm now asking you to give me such a hunger for your word, that I will be as ravenous to receive that in my soul as I was to receive the sensual messages. She said, I rose from my knees. She said, Pastor Kuhn, I just found a, a hunger for God's word, for everything spiritual. I, I was just ravenously eager for it. I called a pastor's wife. She said, I read every one of your books I could get a hold of. I read the book, The Desire of Ages. I read the book, Steps to Christ. I got one book after another. I just read them, and she said, something happened to my life. She said, then I knelt down. I said, thank you, Lord. Thank you. You've taken care of my past. You've taken all of the desire for this sensuous reading and viewing out of my life. You've filled my life with a longing for the spiritual. Now, Lord, According to Ezekiel 36, 26, 
I'm asking you to give me a love for my mother-in-law. Amen. Amen. And this is the promise she claimed. Ezekiel 36, 26. A new heart also will I give you. Ezekiel 36, 26. A new heart also will I give you. A new spirit will I put within you. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. She did have a stony heart, right? She did have hard feelings. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. I will give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit within you. And I'll cause you to walk in my statutes. She said, Pastor, this hatred that I had for my mother-in-law was not cured as quickly as the other things were. She said it was more gradual. I had to keep repeating day after day, day after day. I believe she said several times a day, thank you, Lord, for filling my heart with love for my mother-in-law. Thank you, Lord, you're doing it. She said, today, Pastor Kuhn, I have no hatred, I have no animosity whatsoever for my mother-in-law. I pity her. She said, my mother-in-law has seen such a change in me that she now wants to join my church. Isn't that wonderful? Can you imagine a mother-in-law wanting to be in the same capacity with such a daughter-in-law? She wasn't such a daughter-in-law anymore. She was a new creature in Christ Jesus. She said, then, having learned of God's wonderful ABC prayer program, I said, Lord, I have been praying for years for my son, her 12-year-old son. She said he was a, he was a very noble boy, he went through all of the theories and all the doctrines. He uh, observed outwardly all the doctrines. She said, in the high school where he was attending, whenever they had a special function on Friday night after sundown, he wouldn't think of going. But she said, I knew that he didn't know Jesus. She said, so then I fell on my knees and I claimed a promise that since God had done so much for me, that God would save my boy. Isaiah 49, 25. I will contend with him that contendeth with thee. I will save thy children. And you know what that text means, friends? I, God, will contend with him, that's the devil, who is contending with a parent. I will contend with the devil who is contending with a parent. God says, I will change your life as a parent so the child seeing a new experience of joy in Jesus in your life, the child will be saved. The child will want what the child sees in you. I will contend not with the devil that contends with your child, but I will contend with the devil that's contending with you and making you a sad Adventist instead of a glad Adventist. And she said, Brother Kuhn, inside of 30 days, my son, without any pressure from a human soul, had walked up to the pastor and said, Pastor, I'm giving my heart to Jesus Christ, and I want to be baptized. Within 30 days, that boy was baptized, a new creature in Christ Jesus. I think I must have listened to May's experience for at least two or three hours. In fact, I recorded it. We try to be extremely careful and correct in every experience. So we like to record them so we can play them back again and again and be sure that we have stated them accurately as they are. May then went on. Oh, friends, I can't even begin to tell you in this, in this hour. May went on to tell of one miracle after another that took place in that home. I visited the pastor and his wife. They told me of the tremendous transformation. She said, other times I would come to revivals and make a little change, and then I'd slip back. And she said, my husband was expecting it to happen this time. And when he found it didn't happen, she said, he's pricking up his ears. During our series of meetings in their city, the pastor wanted to give away a number of our books, the ABCs of Bible Prayer. He found that there was something in God's immutable, eternal, impeccable word that had taken hold of his life, his wife's life, and changed it. And he wanted that kind of experience in his own life. Friends, this is the worship of Jesus Christ. To worship 
and set aside a day is good. To set aside his day that he commands in the fourth commandment is good. But my friends, with that, for us to look up and into his face and know that he will keep his promises, to know that this creator of ours, this savior of ours, will always come to our rescue, this is better, and this is worship. Shall we pray? As our heads are bowed in prayer, and our eyes are closed, no curious eyes to look around, did you come in this evening without the assurance that your sins are forgiven, that Jesus has cleansed you, that you are his child? And if you did, will you, like me, reach right out in simple childlike trust and say, Lord, I accept your forgiveness free of charge. I accept your free cleansing, your beautiful salvation. You've bought it for me. It's mine in Jesus. Will you do it? You can lift your hand. Thank you, dear Lord. We do receive, and thank you for it in Jesus' beautiful, precious name. Amen. And now it's question and answer time, and before we deal with the questions, let us claim God's promise of wisdom. Dear Lord, you've promised in, in James chapter 1, verse 5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, it shall be given him. We ask believingly, we claim triumphantly the answer in Jesus' name, amen. First question. Is there anything that can be said or done for a person who professes to be a Christian but does not show love for others? This person drives people away by being unkind, selfish, and rude, especially to children. Those who are being worked with to win them to Christianity are being chased away, and it is heartbreaking. There have uh, been prayer bands and individuals praying for this person for many months, but no change has taken place. First of all, try in, in the case of every problem, claim the promise for wisdom to learn what is the real, the real disease back of all of this. Why does this person do what he's doing? He is doing what he's doing because he doesn't himself know what? The love of God. If he had the love of God, he wouldn't be doing this, right? You see? Therefore, the remedy is for him to find the love of Jesus Christ dramatized by professed Christians. I'm thinking of a lady that uh, we knew very well. There was a deacon in the church. She said that was a, <laughs> he was an 1898 deacon. You know what they are. They were the gruff people, just like this man that was just presented. And she said he would come into the church and when he would see her, he'd just stare at her. Wouldn't speak to her, or, and he was treating others the same way. So she said, one day, as I was praying about this deacon, who was hurting me very much and hurting others, she said, I said, dear Lord, what can I do to help this deacon? And the Lord spoke to my heart and said, be very sweet and smile to him and walk up to him and be friendly and lovely. And she said, the next Sabbath morning as I came into Sabbath school, there he was, this staring deacon. She said, I walked up and said, how are you, brother? And she said, he actually cracked a smile, actually smiled. She said, that man became a different man. That's one story. Let me tell you another. I have a, a sister-in-law back in Tennessee, and she teaches at a public school. They had a guard there at the school who was the, <laughs> the epitome of uh, guardship, <laughs> you know. He had the frown. He had the sophistication, you know. Everything that it took, all of that lovely uh, downcast face. <laughs> and if, they, if people drive in and, and didn't stop at the moment he told them to, I said, stop! And he became so obnoxious that the teachers circulated a petition to remove him. When they brought this petition to my sister-in-law, she said, no, no, let's not have him removed. She said, let's ask the Lord to convert him. How are you going to convert that thing? She said, well, we'll show him love. About that time, it was Valentine time. So she said, 
that morning, she said she got a hold, went to the grocery and got the biggest, loveliest red apple that she could get a hold of. She said, I shined that apple and shined that apple till it shone. And she said, as I drove up that morning, here was the guard. And she said, I rolled down my windows, I came up to him. And she said, I flashed a big smile and I said, would you be my valentine? And I handed him this apple. She said, he looked at that apple, he began to smile. She said, that man's life was completely changed. The teacher said, what in the world did you do? She said, nothing except just to, just to show a little love. When a person is like this individual, it's because he's empty. He doesn't know the love of God. So all Christians should not merely pray for him, but be kind and sweet. And 2 Corinthians 3.18 applies. By beholding, we're changed in the same image. Try it out. God bless you. The next questioner says, How can I woo my husband back to me and to the Lord? First uh, Peter chapter 3. And friends, this is one of the most amazing texts of Scripture to be found in the Bible. I think somebody else is raising their hand, uh, and our, our teammate will pick up the other questions. Here it is. Let me read, my friends, this. Here's a lady who wants to know how she can win her husband. I believe that, that in my own ministry, friends, I haven't begun to emphasize this holy scripture as I should. Notice what it says. 1 Peter chapter 3. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. Do what? be in subjection. That if they, if they obey not the word, here's a non-Christian, if they obey not the word, they also may, without the word, or without a word, be won by the conversation of the wives. God says that these men in the world who are obnoxious can still be won by this wonderful wife. Now, how will she be the type that will win him? While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. He, he does what? He looks. He looks at your beautiful conversation. The fear there means deep humility. He looks at that beautiful humility, that pure conversation, and he just looks and he says, what in the world has happened? Who's adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of planting the hair and wearing of gold or putting on apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. Now, he says, this man will look at this lady. He'll find that she isn't arguing with him. She isn't belittling him because he isn't keeping the Sabbath. She isn't, uh, she isn't condemning him because he eats pork. You see? She isn't saying to him, my, I, I don't think you even want to do right. None of that. She is, in, she is meek. She's quiet. She's winsome. God says this is the winning attitude. And I say, praise God that he's given the answer. Now, this isn't all. Listen to this. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also, who trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection to their own husbands. Now, what it is, is bringing out is this. You see, a godly wife who is living up to all the rules, so to speak, she is liable to let emanate from her lips a little correction of her non-believing husband. But don't do that. Don't do that. That isn't meek. You don't have to play Holy Spirit. You'll be meek and quiet and winsome. And the Lord says, I'll take care of the rest. Now, this is no. The next, I haven't, I haven't dared to read for many years in my ministry for fear of people would think that I'd gone uh, off the deep end. But here it is. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham. Now, notice, here is a wife who is a Christian whose husband is not a Christian. It says, be in subjection to him as Sarah was to Abraham. Abraham was a godly man. 
It says, now you be in subjection to this person. You be meek and sweet and quiet to him, just like Sarah was to a godly person, calling him Lord. <laughs> Can you see that? She wasn't saying it sarcastically. You know, that ruined it all. But she said, yes, Lord. Man, no wonder Pharaoh wanted her. <laughs> Who wouldn't? <laughs> right? Now, not sarcastically, you see. A lady came to one of our meetings. She said, I tell you, my husband, he is, he, he's, he's really not doing right at all. And more than that, she said, there's a gulf being fixed between him and me. What in the world should I do? I said, here's what you do. The love of God treats the sinner not as he deserves, but as he needs. So you treat your husband not as he deserves. He needs to be taken right over your lap and given the works. That's what he needs. That's what he deserves. But he needs a demonstration of sweet, winsome love. She said, like what? Well, I said, like this. When he goes to his practice in the morning, does he kiss you? She said, I say not. I said, so you'll kiss him. She said, me kiss him? You mean the female pursues? Yeah, in this case. Throw your little arms right around him and give him a big fat kiss. Watch and see what happens. And come back and report. I said, see, you don't treat him as he deserves. You treat him as he needs. She said, okay. She came back a couple nights later. She said, you know, when he went to work yesterday, I went up to him and I threw my arms around him and I kissed him on the cheek. And she said, you ought to have seen the change. He looked at me and he said, what in the world did you do that for? And then she blew it all. She said, I'll tell you why. I'm not treating you as you deserve. I'm treating you as you need. You see, Jesus has to be in our hearts for it to work, right? <clears throat> A man came to me up in Boston, Massachusetts. And he said, uh, <clears throat> he said, how can I win my wife's love? I said, uh, treat her as she needs, not as she deserves. I said, for instance, don't just say I love you, because that sounds like I love you, poor thing. Tell her some good thing while you love her, so it'll praise her. He came back about two nights later, and he said, do you know you almost broke up my home? I said, what do you mean? He said, I told my wife the next night she prepared the supper, and I said, I love you for the supper. And, and she said, do you love me for the supper or for me? And I said, the supper. <laughs> you see, the Lord has to take over, or we'll, even, we'll go through the rules and break them all and mess it all up. It must be Jesus in the heart that causes us to be winsome and loving. Next question. Why is it some people talk as if their faith are going to be the only ones in heaven. For instance, Adventists talk as if Adventists are going to be the only ones there. Baptists talk as if Baptists are going to be the only ones there. Calvinists talk as if Calvinists are going to be the only ones there. That's the ABCs of who all is going to be in heaven. <laughs> and we could go on and on and on, right? And you know, you know, it can be a great surprise to find none of them there. <laughs> right? No spiritually proud person is going to be in heaven. Right or wrong? A hundred percent right. The meek shall inherit the earth and delight themselves in the abundance of peace. In fact, my friends, it's not merely a wrong attitude, it's a wrong statement. And if any Sabbath keeper ever is tempted to say it, may God forgive us. What do you say? May the Lord forgive us. You know, my favorite author who's taught me more about the, the laws of communication than all the other authors combined has made this statement, and I like it, that the great majority of the body of Christ is not in our church. The larger proportion of the body of Christ is not in our church. We form only a, a little speck of the body of Christ. Did you know that? The body of Christ is the Christian, wherever he is, who is following Jesus to the best of his knowledge, right? 
wherever they are, all the Christians, wherever they are, even in jungle lands, those who may never have read the Bible, but the Holy Spirit has gotten into their heart and they've walked in the light. They are members of the body of Christ. We're just a little speck of the body of Christ. Is that right? That's right? That's right? So where is boasting then? It goes down the drain. Amen? Thank you. Next question. This, uh, this is a very, very serious question, Pastor Kuhn. I am in the worst possible position that a married man can be in because I'm separated from my wife and have been for years. As a result of this bad situation, I cannot have a lady friend without being unfaithful. But at the same time, I'm not really married because I'm not living with my wife. Also, I'm not widowed or divorced, so I'm not anything. I'm neither the one nor the other. What do I do in an impossible situation like this? That is serious. You will ask the Lord, first of all, to do in your heart what he did in Joseph's heart. Did you ever stop to realize, probably all of us have, at least partially, what God did for Joseph, that young, two-story, double-chested, vigorous young man in Egypt, with that voluptuous, beautiful woman continually making love to him. My friends, Jesus Christ has the same power in a human life today that he had in Joseph's life. God is no respecter of persons, right? Now, you see, the temptation for us is to say, well, I'm a man, and I have the passions of a man, and God made me this way. He did. But do you know, my friends, the same God can protect us that protected Joseph, that protected Elijah, that protected Paul, that protected Jesus Christ. There is something wonderful in an individual coming to this place in his or her experience, and I know from those that we have talked with, I know it can take place. When an individual comes to this place where he said, Lord, I'm not able to conquer the natural desires and hungers. I can't do it, Lord. But, Lord, you have said in Philippians 2.13 that God will work in me both to will and to do of your good pleasure. And, Lord, I'm going to reach right up, and I'm going to ask you to do it, and I'm going to believe it. You'd be amazed if we had the time to share one experience after another of big two-story double-chested men who have been kept by the grace of God. God can do it today. But we must not start reasoning as to why God can't, you see. We must not rationalize. We must be extremely careful not to rationalize. God is just, the God that made us can protect us. But we must fight that battle of faith, fight it for all we're worth. We can fight it. Do you know the greatest victories I have ever gained in my life? Let me share with you are based on, on Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. The times when I've actually gone out all by myself and with sobs reached up to God and said, Oh God, I must have your strength. You've promised me, Lord, and I'm asking you to do it. And because you can't lie, I believe it and I am laying hold of it, and you are giving me this deliverance. That's 1 Timothy 6, 12, fighting the good fight of faith. Jesus Christ will give you that power. Now, the next is this, Romans 12, 21. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Ask God to help you to enter upon such a missionary project that you'll be so obsessed with this missionary project that the creativeness that is naturally 
reproduction will be revealed by reproducing the character of Jesus in a mission that he gives us. John the Baptist was able to do it. God did it through those men. God will do it for us today. And friends, don't rationalize. Just say, oh God, you're able to do it. And he will do it. And eternity will pay up well for it all. Is there time for another one, brother? Yes. I need patience so much, but I'm afraid to pray for it. I've seen too many people pray for it, and their lives were then filled with trials. I want patience with life just like it is now. <laughs> Thank you. Bless your heart. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I do too. <laughs> How many would like it just that way? <laughs> Wouldn't it be wonderful? Patience without a cloud, without any lightning or thunder. <laughs> Wouldn't that be wonderful? Without any tests. <laughs> oh, how beautiful that would be. But what does the Bible say in Romans 5, 3 to 5? We glory in tribulation, <laughs> knowing this, that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in the heart by the Holy Ghost. So we say, dear Lord, I know you've got to refine me. You've got to take out these things that can't be in eternity. But Lord, you've promised that when I pass through the fire, you'll be with me. Hasn't he? Hasn't he? When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. Now, there are things that we can do when we're upset like this that God will use to develop peace of mind. I'd like to refer you to the second section of our book on the table, on the book table, entitled, The Answer Was Created. We share there in that second section the experiences of individuals whom we have known who in the most critical situations, the most shocking experiences, have found absolute peace, perfect peace. And it shows how they did it. It's a second section in our book entitled The Answer Was Created. I don't think that any of the books that we've ever written covers this as clearly as that section does. They're all true stories. In fact, I called the husband of the wife today, a thousand miles from here, setting up an appointment to hold a series with them. Uh, maybe I ought to tell a little bit more about it. Maybe, or you can put in another question, because I think there's some more, aren't there? Yes. <laughs> I have a friend who would like to know why you have to study in the church before you're baptized. Uh, Jesus just said to believe, then be baptized. And he baptized, or the disciples did, many just the way they were. This person is studying to be baptized, but has a doubt of all the things he has to do first, and he needs help. Very reasonable question, isn't it? Very reasonable. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. Go you into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Baptizing, no, yes, teaching them to observe, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. I'm going to read it because I, uh, I, I didn't uh, quote it correctly. So I want to quote it correctly because you'll find here something that I think will help you in the answer to your question. Here it is. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, and Mark 16, 16 to 18. Matthew 18, 18 to 20. Let's take uh, 19 and 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Do what? Teach all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. You teach, then you baptize. Then the next verse, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. The gospel plan of baptism is we teach, we baptize, and then people keep learning the rest of their lives. Here's another one. Mark 16, 16. He that believeth 
and is baptized shall be saved. So before a man is baptized, according to the Bible, he's to be taught, he's to believe, and Acts 2, 37, 38, repent and be baptized. So he's to be taught, he's to believe, he's to repent, and then he's to be baptized. And then he's to keep on being taught and believing and teaching others, sharing with others the rest of his life. Don't, don't feel that it's too difficult for us to be taught. Do you know? The more we can learn of Jesus, both before and after baptism, the better off we are. For this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Now, it's true. We're not saved by the things we, things we believe. We're saved by receiving Jesus Christ, John 1, 12. So combine the two together. Do we have a little time left? Yes, here's a short little question for a short little answer. Is God the Father just invisible to us or even to the angels in heaven and, in heaven and uh, other heavenly beings? Uh, he's invisible to us, as we know. But it says that Jesus, uh, well, it says that man was made in the image of God. Genesis 1:26. Let us make man in our image. And in Hebrews it says Christ is the express image of his Father. So the Father is a person. The reason we cannot see him is because sin has separated us from the Lord. Isaiah 59:1. Is that it? One more. You said before that we should never talk about the gospel to someone who we know is not interested. What about Noah, when God asked him to preach the gospel to all uh, of those people, when most of them were rebellious, some to the point of desiring to take his life? That's a good question. Do you know where the Bible tells us that Noah is preaching? Where? At the ark. People came there. You have no record of Noah ever going around chasing people and saying, I've got something to tell you. Isn't that wonderful? When they came, they heard it. Just like when people come here, they hear. Is uh, our time about up? Shall we then thank the Lord? And we thank you, Lord, for the wisdom you've given, and most of all, for the grace that you will give us and the strength to walk with you in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.